Good morning, everyone. We started a series a week ago called On Purpose, and we talked about this idea that highly significant people live on purpose. They have a strategy for their life. They know the pathway to get to the end of what they want. And, and last week, we asked, really kind of propositioned that. We, we posed the question, is that true? Does, what does it mean uh, to really, what does that kind of significance mean? And we looked at this idea that that, that kind of significance means eternal life above everything else. And this week, we kind of take that a step further, and we look at, well, how do we get down that road? How do we start being significant, living a life of significance? I would, I would say that each of us want to be significant. At least that's what I read. That's what I hear in conversations with other people, is we do want to make a difference in life. The people that are success gurus or significance gurus say, begin with the end in mind. And uh, my daughter did this last week. In school, she had to write her obituary. She's a little random like her father, and so she just randomly comes up to me after school and throws this piece of paper at me. It's about a half sheet. It says, by obituary, Dad, look. Look what I did at school. And I start reading, uh, here lies Lauren Jacobson. She sort of loved her brother and sister, and she loved her parents, and I'm like, hmm, that's my child. Uh, Well, at least she was honest, right? Uh, But, oh, gosh. Anyway, we want to go a little further than I think if we're adults. We want to say more than that at the end of our life. What is it you want to say? Or more likely, what do you want said about you, sort of loved someone, or that you found a cure for cancer, or that the world was changed because of the contributions you made. That's what it means to live significantly. I would say that I hope that at the end of my life that people say I made a difference in their life, a difference for eternity. I'd like more said, but It's not really about what I think I want people to say at the end of my life, and I want you to have a thought on that. But even more than that, it's one thing to sit and wonder what the end looks like, but it's another thing to say, where do we start? How do we get started down that road of significance? And where is that road? Well, the Bible actually tells us where that road is, Now, we might see it in the world because the world tells us where significance lies, where we can find significance. And I think for the most part, it's kind of true. So we should acknowledge it. We would say that we can be significant from achievements. Some of you have walls of medals, diplomas, trophies. They do speak towards a significance of an achievement. Maybe you wrote a book or you won an award, or you're good at something. And the better and better you are at something, some would argue that you could be more and more significant. I would also say it goes beyond achievements, though. It goes to this idea that we can find our significance in our position or our status. And we can improve that if we, if we wear nice clothes, um, if we drive nice cars, if we live in huge houses. We can, 
we can improve our status or our significance if we join the right clubs. We can maybe even expand our social media and have lots of followers. Some would say that's a way we find significance in that idea of position. We also find significance in power. The people that are, we are in authority over, whether it's at a company or in a classroom or even in a family, people find their significance there. And finally, I think one of the easiest ways for us to find our significance is in applause, in the accolades of people, in the affirmations of people, in the, in the name-dropping of significant people. But, but do these things really satisfy? Is this really the definition that Jesus would call us to? The way in which the world operates according to God's standards and God's ideals. I would say that for thousands of years, it's operated under the definition of achievements, awards, or accolades, position, and power. And if we work hard enough and long enough, we can achieve that significance. We can be recognized. Isn't that what significance is? A quest for recognition? Maybe you've said that in your own life. I just want someone to notice, whether it's that I did well at my job or that I clean the kitchen or that I'm a good guy. I just want someone to notice. And inherently, that idea of wanting someone to notice might, might not be all that bad, but, but Jesus paints a different picture of significance. And it's this idea of significance was alive and well with that definition when Jesus began his ministry and when Jesus ended his ministry. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to John 13. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and uh, my buddy Jeremy will bring you one. It's really cool. Uh, before we get to, it was just before the Passover festival. That's where, the, that's where the section starts. But right before this, Jesus, the Passover festival is this Jewish festival that's like one of the big three. It's probably the biggest one, but one of the three where people have to travel to their capital city, their sacred city, Jerusalem, to have this festival. Jesus, in his three years of ministry, um, has not spent the whole feast, festival, in Jerusalem, according to some of the scholars. But in this particular case, he is coming in at this festival early. But everybody's coming in. So the city is filled with way more than its capacity. People are crowding the streets. They're lining up to get in. And it says in, in chapter 12 that, that a great crowd had, had gathered for the festival. And they heard that Jesus was on his way. And so they see him coming. And Jesus had prearranged for some of his disciples to find an animal, a colt, a donkey, for him to ride in on. He knew the prophecy. He knew the prophecy that he needed to fulfill. Uh, that one day, O Jerusalem, in, in the Old Testament prophecies, that one day, daughter Zion, the, the nation of Israel and its remnant, remnant state, its eternal state, one day, daughter Zion, do not be afraid. Your king is coming, your king who rides on a donkey's colt. And Jesus comes in on this colt. And it's like everybody's idea of significance starts clicking. 
They go, whoa, wait a second, this is it. They throw down their coats. They grab palm branches and they set them down. They sing, they praise, they say, Hosanna, praise God. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They do this because they have a picture of what significance is. Whether it's their life or whether it's in the world, and certainly of their Savior, their Messiah person. And so they see Jesus as he's coming in as this Messiah, the one who would be the king of Israel that would set God's people free and establish his kingdom there and rule the world righteously. Maybe it was more the emphasis of rule the world righteously. But definitely in that ruling of the world, they would take out the Roman Empire, the arrogant, powerful Roman Empire. The one who ruled with authority, with power, they would be taken out. And not only did the people know this, that even his closest followers, I think the text shows us, buy into this idea of this type of significance. A power and position and achievements and a praise because they start saying things like, we don't have this, so this is just my part. Like, it's about time, Jesus, because you've been talking about turning the other cheek. You've been talking about walking the extra mile. You've been talking about giving away the extra code, and that's all fine and good. We should all do a little service. But now it's time to get stuff done. Now it's time to be the Messiah. You keep talking about the hour has come, and you keep saying that the hour has come, and then you give this totally different idea of significance, and it's confusing to us, but these people, Jesus, they got it, right? Now, that's all my interpretation, but if you look through the Gospels, these stories about Jesus, you actually see things very similar. Mark 10 right before the end of Jesus' ministry, the crucifixion time, the time where he's coming into Jerusalem, they hear Jesus has told about when he comes into his power. And so two of his closest followers, James and John, they come up to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, or maybe it's their mother according to one guy, but they come up and they say, hey Jesus, when you come into your control or into your power, into your kingdom, we want to help. We're here to help. We'd like to be on the right and on the left in those places of authority because James and John have that idea, that definition of significance. Power, achievements, position, applause, and they want it. And it says later that the other 10 disciples were indignant with Jesus. It was probably not, you know, Jesus isn't going to rule that way. It was probably, dang it, I didn't think of that first. Oh, they got in and now I have to wait in line. This is kind of their act. And you might think I'm, again, exaggerating the story. But if we shift over to another gospel in Luke 22, it says that right before the Passover meal, this festival, a dispute broke out among them about who is the greatest. And Jesus said to them, you know, the kings 
of the Gentiles or the kings of the people who don't follow our God, they lord it over them. They rule with authority. They exercise authority. And he says, not so with you. So he's trying to tell them, your definition of significance is kind of twisted. It's a little wrong. See, this definition is, is more like a syndrome than a search. This idea that we want to be great. And if we're great, we will find what we're looking for. When the definition is power and position and achievements and applause. It's slow, it's more like a syndrome that slowly takes over us. Maybe you disagree, but here's why I think it's more like a syndrome, because we don't just think about having nice things. Think about having nicer things. We don't just think about living large, we think about living a little larger. Not just joining some clubs, but joining more exclusive clubs with more privileges. I got another promotion from an airline company that says, if you join this credit card, you will move into an elite status, the gold membership. I don't know what they're going to do. Oh yeah, platinum. Yeah, so I was at silver, but now I could get into gold. But I know there's a platinum, and you know what? By the time I get to platinum, there's probably going to be another one too. But just go buy an airline ticket and you'll know. There's all kinds of positioning that we do. It's not just receiving a promotion. Maybe it's even promoting ourselves. See, this is a significance syndrome. And it's a group of symptoms that point to a larger problem. It's okay that we want to be great. That we want to make a difference. But... How we start matters. Jesus is trying to point this out. Because it's a syndrome, because the significant syndrome starts to change our personality. When we don't get what we want, we think we have to work a little harder at it. Oh, I've been promoting myself. I have two blogs about my new book. I need another blog or another blog about my book so that I can achieve that thing. Or we start telling have-truths, outright lies, to put ourselves in a better light so that people will think highly of us or higher of us because our significance is really a syndrome. We might even spread rumors about somebody else. If someone is going for the promotion that we want or the class we want or the whatever we want, we might try and position ourselves in front of them because this is a syndrome that takes us over. We're really, truly never satisfied with what we have. And yet, in John 13, Jesus gives us the remedy for our significance syndrome. And he tells us where true significance starts. It's the same story that we've been talking around. Verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival... And Jesus knew the hour had come, the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved those who were his own in the world, he loved them to the end. 
The evening meal, the Passover festival feast that they were having in this upper room, was already in progress, and the devil had already enticed or prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water in a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Maybe you've heard this story before, or seen this picture of Jesus before. This foot washing. And if we really look at the story, he is saying so much to our lives today to where we get caught up and to where we can really, truly find our significance. He, he says that the remedy for our significance syndrome starts with humble service. Humble service. He, he says it first with this idea that significance does not come from how the world recognizes us because he took off his outer garments at, at minimum, these outer garments would have been the garments that would have designated him as a free man or a free person, not a servant or a slave. Slaves just wore the undershirt part. Or if they were really, really poor slaves, they didn't even get that. But, but the undershirt part was what the slaves wore. The outer garment was what a free man wore. That's just at minimum. More likely, he's got some kind of a, a robe that designates him as a rabbi or a Jewish teacher something that gives him a little bit of status. Now, knowing Jesus, he probably didn't go with something very wild, ostentatious, but he had some outer garment that he took off, saying, it doesn't really matter how the world recognizes me. There's something deeper to our significance than that. Think about the people who shouted, Hosanna, praise God. Just a few days later, they shout, murder, destroy him. See, we can go with this idea, this, this idea that significance comes from the world recognizing us. And we can even twist it around to say, like, if the world recognizes me, then I can make an even bigger difference for Jesus. But the world is fickle. The world can flip around and turn on someone faster than we can even remember what fickle means. Jesus not only says that significance really can't come from our recognition or how the world recognizes us. But he even says that, that it's doesn't, not about our position or our status either. See, the disciples are arguing about where to sit at this meal is very important. The place setting, the table setting, where people sit. You had a seat of honor and you, that guest of honor would get the seat of honor, but then you had other seats and you had to figure out where you exactly sat because if you sat in the wrong spot, the guest the host might have to move you because someone more important is coming. And it's very important, even more important than season tickets at a new stadium or even more important than first class, business class, uh, comfortable extra 10%, 13% more legroom or the back of the plane. Very important. It said that even some of the most humble rabbis who would do anything for anyone except give up their position, their status. But Jesus is saying, in, in my kingdom, 
Your definition of status or your definition of significance cannot be about status. None of them would have thought to wash each other's feet. See, this job that's reserved for the lowest of the low is actually, according to the Jewish religious commentaries, not even a job that a, sla- a Hebrew, like a, a national slave or a national servant, could do. If they were Jewish or if they were Hebrew, if they were the nationality of God's people, even though they're a slave, they could not do that job. It would not be required of them and could not be required of them. Think about the jobs that the U.S. exports because they say things like, well, no, we can't find anyone who wants to do this job. So we're going to go put it in another country. So not reading any politics into it, just think of that. This is a job that we export because no one would do that. The disciples are stunned and shocked when Jesus takes off his robe and pours the water and starts washing. So much so that one of them, the one we would expect, freaks out about it. But I think he freaks out about it for something just bigger than the task. It's not just that it's humble service. It's what humble service represents. See, Jesus says the remedy for the significant syndrome It starts with humble service, but it goes beyond that to this core idea of our quest for recognition and how we get there. Do we step over people? Do we lie for it? Do we try and achieve it on our own? Or do we give that all up? Do we actually put others above us? Do we see their status higher than our status no matter what the circumstance. I think Jesus might call this the, the cleaning rag of humility rather than a crown of victory. If you want to encapsulate true significance, Jesus is saying here it's more like a cleaning rag than a crown. Now, I think we see this idea, you might not buy this idea, Because, oh yeah, yeah, humble service, I should just be nice to people. Nope, that you should see everyone higher than you, above your status. It's actually seen throughout our life. We think about the greatest leaders in the world. Are they not the ones who have put their personal agenda aside and put the needs of the people above them? We would call them the greatest leaders throughout history. That's what Jesus is saying when the disciples are arguing about who's going to sit in the seats of power. The, the, the people that don't have a relationship with God, they exercise like this, but not so with you. The ones who want to be great among you must be a servant. And the ones who must want to be the greatest should be a slave to all. This is the way that Jesus says the world really works. He says it again um, with this idea of a seed right before this Passover festival. He, the people are saying, this is the Messiah you're going to be. And he says, no, no, I'm not. Think about a seed. You know, if a seed is just held, it's a single seed. But if a seed is put in the ground, humble service, if the seed dies in the ground, it actually produces a harvest of many seeds. This is the way the world works, according to Jesus. 
and the true idea of our creation. But I'd say beyond that, Jesus not only explains that this is kind of really truly how the world works, he's also showing us that this is how he has lived throughout his life. He's not selling something that he's not buying. He has lived his life putting others above himself. When a woman was caught in adultery and brought before Jesus and called to be stoned, Jesus didn't dismiss what she had done. He just simply didn't accuse her and called the others in the room who were guiltless to accuse her. And they all left one by one. He gave a woman in society who should have been quickly killed life. He brought women who funded his ministry, and he gave them places. His own disciples were not the scholars of the day. They were ordinary people. He shows this idea of not only humble service, but this idea that with the cleaning rag of humility, I might see you better than me, not just to, to do and serve, but so people get a, the full extent of who God is. This is the way of true significance. And this is what he shows us. And when we do this, we live a more whole life. Think about the people who are the most successful in the world. Tiger Woods was one that came to my mind. In the last few years, his life, I wouldn't say, has been very whole. Because when your definition of significance is power and position and an authority or or achievements and a praise, it's stressful to keep it up here. And so you do things, maybe not so good things, to keep that. Tiger Woods had a heyday with that. And Lindsay Lohan, I just, I see her billboard picture on that gossip station, and I just pray. I'm mess. But that pressure to perform, to stay at that level, leads us to do things that we don't want to do. It cuts us up into little pieces because we're not meant to live that way. We're meant to live the way of the cleaning rag. It's what makes us most whole. And Jesus tells us to do this in John chapter 13, verse 12. He says, you guys, you might not get it, but after he finishes and puts his clothes back on, he says, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you should because I am. But if I, your teacher and Lord, wash your feet, not wash my feet, but wash each other's feet, put your brother, your fellow human, above yourself. I've given you an example that you should follow, that you should do as I have done, because you're not greater than me, he says. A servant's not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent. He's saying, really? Do you really think this is going to work? You want to try it on? What's stopping you from doing this? Because it's way beyond just be nice to people. Serve someone once in a while when it's convenient. He's messing with us. I mean, why else would Peter, as volatile as he is, in the next section, go, no! Lord, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? Yeah, Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. You'll, you'll get it later. Never. If, if the text could get all explicit, it would say, never, ever, forever will you do this. We use the phrase, hell will freeze over. 
It's just, he's saying, it's never going to happen. And Jesus says, Peter, if you don't let me do this, Peter, if you don't accept this version of me, you're not a part of me. See, it's one thing to say, as we start down this idea of living on purpose, eternal life comes above everything else. And, and it starts with humble service. But I say it's a whole other thing to do what Jesus is actually asking us to do. He is saying that. But to accept this version of Jesus. So you might have to redefine success today. And I tell you, if you do, brilliant things will happen. You won't have to worry about going down the road of a Tiger Woods or a Lindsay Lohan. Because you won't have to hold on to it. You won't have to worry about if someone's going to take it from you. No one is lining up to be a humble servant. When Mother Teresa passed away, there weren't hundreds and thousands of people clamoring for her job. Poor, homeless, spiritual giant in Calcutta working with diseased, homeless people. No one was lining up. If you take this definition of significance, trust me, your life, Jesus is going to go there in a moment, your life will, will be blessed because you can achieve power, status, success, significance, all in that old world definition if you fight for it and work hard enough. But really, truly, Jesus says, now it's one thing to know this, but you'll be blessed if you do it. Because what I think he's saying is, if you not only redefine significance, but redefine who you want me to be, you will have peace with God. Your soul will not be anxious. You will have joy. You will have love. These are gifts from the Savior that he is asking for us to accept. These are what lead us to a life of true significance. Jesus is asking us not only to redefine our significance. So I would ask you, how do you see significance for you? And is your definition working for you? Do you feel like you're more in knots? Like you're, you're, you could always lose it? Then it's probably the wrong definition. And two, what definition of Jesus do you have? Because I think we want a superstar Jesus. We want the superhero savior Jesus. The one who will give us the, the come in and conquer and give us our blessings and our dreams and all those things we want in life. And we can say, yes, praise God, thank you, like all the athletes. I'm not saying they're wrong or bad. Just saying that that is not what we see in Jesus. Truly, truly, we see a humble servant that's about to be humiliated. But he says, this is the way to the true gift of life.
He says, you will be blessed if you do this. If you would, just shut your eyes for a moment. And think about that question. Where do I find my significance? What is my definition? Do I really think being a humble servant is the definition? Is where it starts? And true, and or and secondly, looking at Jesus, do you need to change your definition of Jesus? Have you been putting him too much in the superhero category and not enough in the humble servant category? When Jesus, or when Peter says, Lord, my hands and my head, not my feet only. He's telling his master, his Lord, what to do. You should sense irony in that. Because I think we do that all the time. But as we start to prepare for communion, what do we need to talk to God about in this area of significance and our Savior for our lives?